We're continuing in the Gospel of Mark today with the parable of the sower. Perhaps a better title might be the parable of the four different types of soil. And I, I'm, I'm going to jump straight in. Verse 1. Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. That is, the, the word there, soil. The whole crowd was beside the sea on the soil. Now, at first glance, this is a pretty simple verse. Jesus is teaching beside the sea, and the crowd has invaded his personal space, right? They're cramping his style. And so he hops on a boat, and he pushes out from land, and he keeps teaching them from out there. But, but once again, when we pay close attention to the details, we can come away with some fascinating insights. First of all, Jesus teaching from the sea to a crowd of people on the soil is an object lesson that reinforces the gospel he's preaching and it reinforces this parable in particular. That's why Matthew, Mark, and Luke all make a point to share this detail that Jesus is teaching from a boat. We discussed last week uh, that the Bible commonly associates the Israelite nation with the land. And the Bible commonly associates all of the other nations with the sea. So teaching from the sea is a way for Jesus to say, I, I am the God of every nation, but I have something to say to you, the people of Israel in particular. Indeed, the, the details we are given in verse 1 depict Jesus sitting in a boat as the God of Psalm 29 which is the psalm we just read together. The voice of Yahweh is over the waters. Yahweh sits enthroned over the flood. The God of Psalm 29 has the power to judge and the power to bless. With his voice, he can break the cedars of Lebanon and flash forth flames of fire and shake the wilderness. And with his voice, he can cause the deer to give birth and bring peace and prosperity to his people. And so the God of Psalm 29 is very much the God of Genesis 1. He hovers over the waters. He hovers over the waters. And when he speaks, his creation obeys. So if, if that's the case, if, if the voice of God is effective... If the voice of God elicits obedience from his creation, then why are the people of God not obeying his voice? If Israel is represented by the soil, why is the seed of the gospel not taking root there? Why is the seed of the gospel not bearing fruit there? That is the question posed by the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is not a parable about different types of conversions to Christianity. The parable of the sower is primarily about Israel's receptiveness to the good news of the kingdom of God. 
Jesus is hovering over the waters, speaking over the waters, the God of Psalm 29, the God of Genesis 1, trying to speak a word of life and renewal to his people. But his creation is not responding to his word obediently. And so here in Mark chapter 4, I think we see Jesus altering his teaching strategy just a bit. Why? Well, because his teaching was being received in so many different ways by so many different people. Let me do a a quick summary of the first three chapters of the Gospel of Mark. All right, in chapter one, Jesus preaches openly. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And we're told that the people were astonished with his teaching. He becomes so famous that he can't walk from town to town without being noticed. However, in in chapter 2, Jesus starts to draw negative attention from the authorities. He's eating with the wrong kind of people. He's not fasting when they think he ought to be fasting. He's healing people on the Sabbath, God forbid. And so by the time we come to chapter 3, there are still crowds of people following him, but the Jewish authorities are making plans to arrest him. And and his own family is convinced that he's lost his mind. Then and only then does Jesus begin talking in parables. He begins to talk in parables because the seed he is sowing is falling on various different types of soil. You see, parables are more than just illustrations. Parables are a form of divine judgment. It's never a good sign when God feels the need to veil the truth. Parables require careful thought. They require spiritual discernment. Unless unless you are humble, unless you have the humility to search out the meaning sincerely, you will not understand. And and that is precisely what, what stubborn and disobedient people are unable to do. Those who who meet the teaching of Jesus with unbelief and scorn simply cannot understand the message he is trying to communicate. In our passage today, verse 11, Jesus says to to his disciples, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter six, which we just read. They may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand. Otherwise, they would turn and be forgiven. So, so the parable of the sower is, in, in some ways, it's a parable about parables. It's a teaching about teaching. It's, it's a story about the story that the Gospel of Mark is telling. Verse 3. Listen. Hear me, Jesus says. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. 
and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I want you to picture a, a newspaper cartoon. Picture a newspaper cartoon featuring a donkey and an elephant, okay? If you are unfamiliar with American politics, if you don't know that the donkey represents the Democratic Party and the elephant represents the Republican Party, if you don't know that, you will struggle to understand the meaning of the cartoon, right? You you cannot understand the meaning of that cartoon without understanding the symbols being used, The same goes for the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is a political cartoon. It's a symbolic depiction of how different people were responding to the ministry of Jesus and the good news of the kingdom. And and the people, his original audience, would have been familiar with the symbols he's using. Jesus did not create this parable from scratch. It's constructed out of Old Testament material. These are Old Testament images and symbols. Time after time, the Old Testament prophets use use this seed-sowing metaphor to describe the restoration of the nation of Israel following her exile. Jeremiah 31. God will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Amos 9. The plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. Isaiah 30. God will give rain for the seed with which you sow the ground. Zechariah 8. There shall be a sowing of peace. Ezekiel 36. God will turn to you and you shall be tilled and sown. You get get the idea. I won't keep going. Jesus had come to fulfill these things. Jesus had come to fulfill the prophets. But, unfortunately, he was not being received by all. In many cases, his word was not falling on good soil. So, the the first seed is the seed that falls along the path. It's a reminder that that Satan wants to snatch away the word of God before it has time to penetrate our hearts. It's a reminder of what's really going on when we engage with the word of God. Every time we hear the word read aloud, every sermon, every devotion, every Bible study, we we are engaged in a great spiritual battle against the forces of darkness. Satan does not want you to receive the word with a glad heart. He wants you distracted. He wants you bitter. He wants you bored. And the second seed is is the seed that falls on rocky ground. It's, It's a reminder that following Jesus is not just a matter of starting well. It's a matter of finishing well. The Christian life... it. The Christian life is not this never-ending spiritual high. Surely you've noticed that by now. The Christian life is not perpetual springtime. 
We have to have a faith that's, that's rooted enough to weather the cold. Rooted enough to weather winter. The third seed is the seed that gets choked out by thorns. It's a reminder that, in the words of Jesus, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things can choke our faith and prevent us from bearing fruit. That the call is to, to see and to believe that there is more joy to be had in Jesus and in his kingdom than in wealth or material things or worldly pleasures. And so this, I almost left out the fourth seed. The fourth seed, the best one. Um, This is the seed that bears 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This is the person who receives the word of God and, and plants it deep in the heart and nurtures it, and waters it, and allows it to grow, and to bear fruit. So the the message of this parable is, how we hear the word of God, how we hear the word of God is a matter of life and death. What we do with what we hear is a matter of life and death. You know, in, in Hebrew, the word for hear do, does not simply mean to listen or to allow sound waves to enter into your ears. The word for hear means that you allow it to sink in and it produces a response. That's what hearing means. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for hear is often translated as obey. In Hebrew, to to hear is to do. To actually listen, to truly listen, is to bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, you didn't actually hear. That's the implication. Passive listening. Hard-hearted listening. Skeptical listening. Bitter listening. Apathetic listening. Distracted listening. Daydreaming as the scriptures are being read. Thinking about football during the sermon. Prioritizing Netflix over time in the scriptures. These are are not innocent things. They are dangerous habits that need to be resisted if we are to be a fruit-bearing people. Listen, you you are saved by grace alone. We are all saved by grace alone. But belonging to the kingdom is not an automatic, effortless thing. We must develop a, a holy appetite for the word of God. And then seek to satiate that appetite with the word of God. We must cling to the word as to our very life lest it be snatched away or or uprooted or choked out. For for most of us, um, our faith is not going to be choked out by heresy or by outright apostasy. 
for, for most of us, it's, it's just the withering that takes place throughout the course of daily life. It's a matter of the, the overwhelming manner in which we live our lives. Car repairs, a busted pipe, sick kids, tax season, aging parents, rebellious children, bad bosses, failed investments, final exams, landscaping, soccer practice, your washing machine smells funky again. The greatest threat to your spiritual fruitfulness is is more than likely busyness and distraction and, and just sheer exhaustion. And I, I know that, that much of that is unavoidable. Much of that is just life in the world. But the seed of the word of God cannot grow into fullness and into the fullness of fruitfulness without some intentional pruning and without time for rest and time to be nurtured, time to be nourished, time for quiet and calm. I... I I do, I very much know that that is difficult to come by. But if we want it, we can make it happen. We must be mindful of how we are hearing the word of God. Jesus is teaching from the boat and we are standing on the soil. More than that, though, we are soil. As the sons and daughters of Adam, who was made of dirt, we are made of the soil. We are people of the soil. And Jesus is asking each of us the question, what kind of soil are you? Will you hear and obey my word? Will the seed of my word find good soil in you, in your heart? Take care how you receive the word. And may it find a home in your heart. Open yourself up to it and, and, and treasure it and protect it and nourish it and obey it. Treat the word of God. Hear the word of God like you expect it to change you. And it will. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, When you speak, your creation obeys. May your word have that same effect on on me. May your word have that same effect on all of us. Your people of all people. Jesus, we, we receive your word with delight. We receive your kingdom with delight. And that being the case, we ask Jesus, that you would, you would just speak to us plainly today. Holy Spirit, make us humble before the word of God. Give us um, wisdom, give us discernment to truly understand and uh, bear fruit in us. Bear fruit in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.